0: Last Sunday, I was in uh, cold Kansas City, and it wasn't really that cold, but for somebody who's lived in Florida almost 10 years, it was frigid. I I got home. I was so glad to get home. I got home about 3 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, only to leave again on Thursday, going to Charlotte, North Carolina. By the way, Wednesday night was a wonderful event. If you were not here, you missed it. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, and all those things. But I, I tell you what, John, it was a great event, well-planned. Uh, the only thing that didn't happen was Manatee got beat by Venice Friday night. I made my prediction. I actually predicted Manatee would win. Now, don't, don't throw anything at me, okay? But they didn't. I, I looked it up yesterday. So I was in Charlotte Thursday, Danville Thursday, Danville, Virginia Thursday night, spoke there Friday night, left there yesterday morning, uh, got up about 2.30 yesterday morning, caught a plane, and got back into Tampa by 11 and took a nap yesterday afternoon. And I'm glad I did because I'd been tired. Y'all look good. Jennifer and I have been traveling so much. I know you've been praying for her, but, but thank you for praying for her. Her trip to Nicaragua was a tremendous success, and God used her in the life of of a lot of women, I, I won't go into any details this morning, but I hope that you will. I hope that you will chat with her about what, how God is using her in those countries, and how God is using the message of hope and the message of grace to women. We live in a very. Uh, unusual sort of neighborhood in Venice. We have Ukrainians that live to our right. And then right beside them is the former football coach and his wife. And they recently, oh, about a year ago, got a new dog. It's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Ooh. And, and it, she's a beautiful dog. Her name is Lucy, and she was good good friends with our dog, but our dog passed away in, in September, so she really doesn't have anybody to chase around. Rhodesian Ridgebacks like to run. And if you've ever seen them, when they, get, when they get upset, the back fur on the back of their back just stands straight up. It's an unusual phenomenon. It will, it will make you go, ooh. But Lucy is a fun dog, and and the neighbors to our right, the Ukrainians, raise rabbits. Show rabbits. I mean, these big rabbits that that you actually take them to shows, and they get judged, and they get, you know, red or, or blue ribbons, that sort of thing. Well, I saw Nick, it's been a few weeks ago, and he told me that Lucy had gotten out. And came home with one of those rabbits in her mouth. And I mean, she had taken it, and it looked tattered, torn, and really it looked dead is what he said. But he said, man, we got all worried because the Ukrainians are very, very, uh, they're very concerned about those rabbits. And and. Uh, They speak very limited English. So he didn't, so him and his wife took that rabbit and they began to, they got it in the bathtub. They washed it up and got it all clean and everything. And and he said, Alan, I took it back and put it in the cage. (laughs) Because he said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be responsible. And he said, it was about three hours later. And he said, all of a sudden he was outside. He was grilling and he was out by his lanai and he heard this, ah. And the lady next door came over. She said, I don't know what happened. We buried that rabbit three days ago. I said, Did you tell the truth? He said, No. Man, she thought that rabbit had resurrected and somehow crawled back into the cage. You know, <laughs> Well, now that I've got you laughing, now i got to get serious, but sometimes we do silly things, don't we? Anybody in here ever done anything stupid? Yeah, me too, me too. We do silly things. This morning, this morning, I want to make this message as simple as possible. I want you to understand and know, and I just said it back in the back to, uh, to Judy, we were standing back there. I, I, I love this church. I was so happy Wednesday night to see you all. It was just such a wonderful atmosphere. That, that drum line, that, that the folks that decorated their you did a great job, and it was fun. And there were people here who needed to hear the gospel, and there were folks having fun on our parking lot. Man, praise God for that. Thank uh, the staff for being innovative and, and thinking of ways to utilize what God has given first Bradenton to utilize for the glory of God and to get the gospel message. I want to share with you one thing real quickly before we read the scripture and, and they put it up here and that lo and behold, I buried it. There I go out here in the welcome center. There are these cards. These are not business cards. These are invitation cards. I need you to take as many of these as you will use. Use these over the next month because over, beginning next Sunday, we're, through the month of December, we're going to be talking about the greatest gift of all. And this is one of those opportunities that comes around every year. But for the whole month of December, I want you to invite somebody and use this card. And listen, I mean this with all my heart. If you can't get them here without promising them lunch, I'll go to lunch with you, and I'll pay for it, okay? so Some of you are going to take me up on that offer, I know. But listen to me. I want us to have this place packed with people who can hear the gospel in this season, and we're going to be talking about the greatest gift of all. Let's stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Very simple message this morning from a very familiar passage of Scripture. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why "...did the, the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against our holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel." to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, don't miss that not when they had preached, not when they had taught, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Man, I would like one time, just once, Lord, to watch the response. When people got together to pray, the place began to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Some of your versions, it says they were in one accord. That's not a Honda, by the way. (laughs) And no one said that any of those things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The resurrection, they were giving testimony that Jesus was alive in them. Is Jesus alive in you today? If he is, we need to give testimony with great boldness. You can be seated. If you study the history of revival, you will discover one undeniable fact. In the recorded history of the church, there has never been a mighty outpouring of the Spirit in revival which did not begin in the persistent prevailing prayer of a desperate and a hungry people. Revival has never come because somehow a preacher or a man planned it or put it on the calendar of his church. I'm not speaking about anything other than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as a whole Today, when we think about this passage, I'm talking about First Baptist Church of Bradenton. Let's look together at what happens when a church prays and prays this way. Now, next Sunday night, we're going to meet together for, for another one of our transitional prayer gatherings, and it'll be over in the chapel. I hope that you'll see me in the chapel next Sunday night. I hope to see you because we're going to come together and we're going to pray. But when the church prays, the presence of God, according to the scripture, is perceived. Look at what it says. The place was shaken when they were assembled together. Now this expression symbolizes God's presence and not only his presence, but his activity in and amongst his people. You'll find a similar phrase in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were imprisoned and they began to conduct a midnight prayer service. There was a praise service and suddenly there came a great earthquake, the Bible says, so that the foundation of the prison Was shaken. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a manifestation of the presence of God. It is God manifesting Himself, letting the people know He is present in this situation and He has it under control. First Bradenton, listen. Don't get uptight. God is in control. You can rest assured of that. But, Pastor, you know, we, we need a senior pastor. Yes, you do. You do need a senior pastor, but you need God's pastor. You need God's pastor for you. You need him in God's time. And for the time that you are in right now, God has provided a wonderful staff. God has provided a transition team and a, a transition pastor. So I know that I'm just here for a period of time. But in that period of time, I believe God wants us to get in the position just like these folks were in the book of Acts. Now, when you look at this manifestation of the presence of God, you might ask the question, isn't God always present? Well, the Bible says this, does it? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there in their midst. Amen? That's what it says. But God doesn't... But, You see, God being present doesn't necessarily mean we perceive his presence. Now, don't miss this. Because Jacob could say of Bethel, surely God was in this place and I knew him not. So often, we miss the presence of God. When the church goes to its knees, I believe in real prayer, the presence of God will be perceived. Suddenly we know he's with us. He is working in us. He is moving and answering. We must pray then in unison. Hmm. There they were, all there, and they were doing the same thing. It wasn't just the apostles who prayed. The Bible says they all prayed. Here was a group of believers concerned enough to gather in one place for one purpose. That was to pray. They couldn't have been Baptist. Some of you looking at me real spiritual right now. You see, when I, when I joke with you a little bit, I want you to understand that here was a group of believers concerned enough to gather in one place for one purpose, that was to pray. This is a testimony to united prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, the first and foremost thing that you should be doing right now during this transition period is what? Pray. Pray. I cannot beg of you. I cannot ask of you any more than what I've already done. I cannot urge you or challenge you more. But I want to plead with you. Please pray for me. Pray for the transition team. They are not the pastor search team, by the way. They don't want to be the pastor search team. But they are in preparation of that team. And at some point in time, when their work is concluded, we will begin to select a pastor search team. And God will begin to show, and you'll begin to discover who your next senior pastor will be. Not only were they all there, but look at this. And they were all praying, but they were praying for the same purpose. Wow. There wasn't a man over here praying for his pet project and a woman over here praying for their pet project and they're huddled to corner in various corners. They were gathered, the Bible says, in unity with one heart and one soul. It reminds me of a verse in the Old Testament that tells us that on a certain day, all the, the men, all the folks of Israel came together with one heart to make David king. That's the kind of praying that shakes the place. When God's people come together with one heart to say, Jesus is king. He is the resurrected Lord. I heard you out here singing a while ago and you were doing a great job. Man, I, I, I tell you, when I heard that back in the back and, 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 and I came out of that grave, I, I about came out of that dressing room shouting. Because man, you sounded good this morning. Listen, when we put all of our little different concerns, when they're thrust aside and our hearts flow in one main stream, that's when the Lord says, there are my people and the presence of God will become manifested and people will become conscious that God has now taken the field and God is in charge. Listen, so many times I hear people talking about God is on this side or that side. I even heard this week uh, from a gentleman telling me, man, God is on the president's side. And I just kind of looked at him. And I said, can I be so bold to tell you something about the president? And he, he said, oh, you don't like Mr. Trump. I said, now, see, I didn't say that. But you're already drawing conclusions. But I said, God isn't isn't on anybody's side. God doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. Listen, we've got it mixed up, folks. We think that somehow a Donald Trump or a a Joe Biden or a, 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 you know, I I can't even list all of them. Don't even want to list all of them. Listen, do you know what we need in this country? It's We need a president that will be a godly person. We need a president, yes indeed, but it's not the president's fault. Listen, as, as much as I hate the political chaos going on in Washington and the, and the fracturing and the polarization of all of that stuff, let me tell you something. The answer is not in the president. The answer is, in the true president. He didn't come to be resident. He came to be president of our lives. And the church, the church needs to have the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you something else that happens. I feel like I'm about ready to cut loose and preach here this morning. When the church prays, the power of God then is received. Now look at it and they were all filled with the holy ghost boy in a Baptist church sometimes we don't even talk about that because we're afraid ooh upon the conclusion of their prayer look at it the spirit of god filled every believer gathered in that room they were all filled That's what the record states. Not just the apostles, but every member of the church. There had been a filling on the day of Pentecost, but the church cannot operate on past experiences. I went to your library recently and I started looking back in some of the archives and I saw in 1989 some friends of mine were in this church as music evangelists, Bud and Barbara Lee, and there was a guy by the name of Rick Baldwin that preached a revival here. And I looked at, you all have had some wonderful, wonderful things in the past, but can I, can I be so bold to say this to you this morning and I hope it, 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 it challenges you. I don't want to make you mad, but I want to challenge you. You can't do anything about the past. You can't go back. You can remember it. You can praise God for it. But we've got to start looking at what's going on now and what the future holds. And ladies and gentlemen, listen. They didn't look back to Pentecost and say, hey, listen, that was the day that the Lord, no, the church's experience of God must always be fresh. Every new task demands a new filling. There is something remarkable about this incident. As a result of their praying, they were all filled with the Spirit. But did you look at the prayer closely? The Holy Spirit isn't even mentioned in the petition. They didn't pray to be filled, but they were all filled. Hmm. I believe if we examine the content of this prayer, we'll discover what kind of praying results in the fullness of the Spirit. And my heart desire for First Baptist Church of Bradenton is that this would begin to happen, that God would begin to fill every one of you with His Spirit. Let me show you the prayer. Look at it. Let's just simply look at it. Verse 24. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I think, first of all, we, like they, must recognize that God, he is sovereign. Sovereign. The word translated Lord there is a rare word. It is not the same word that typically is rendered Lord in in verse 29. This is an extremely strong word, meaning despot, one who rules with absolute and unrestrained authority. Omnipotence is found in this word. This is where they started, not not with the threats of the enemy, but with the absolute sovereignty of their God. And by the way, that's where victory always begins. It begins with knowing who is God, and that I am his, and he is mine. And so with this recognition, God, you are sovereign. His sovereignty is seen in, in his creation of all things. Look at what they prayed, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They acknowledged God as creator of heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. Why did they do that? Because they were having problems with some of the everything in them. They recognized that the Sanhedrin were creatures and that their God was the creator, they looked beyond the creation to the creator, beyond the visible to the invisible. You might say they were telling God on them. Part of the creation was troubling the early church, and they were were appealing to the creator. God, you made these people. I've done that on numerous occasions with church members of mine. God, you put them in this church. Why don't you send them to somebody else's church and bless them? Bless some other pastor. And God always reminds me that God puts you and me here. Some of you aren't real happy right now that I'm here. But let me tell you, when we start with that, he is sovereign. Sovereign. Overall. But now, in his sovereignty, also notice what's happened, what happens in this prayer. He has also seen that in his control, he is in control of all things. You believe that? Look at it. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. What a formidable host that had gathered against Christ. And what did these enemies of Christ come together to do? Look at verse 28. It's tremendous. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. These persecuted believers look back to the darkest day in their lives. The day their hopes and dreams disintegrated with the death of Jesus. And they saw God in charge of it all ladies and gentlemen let me tell you something sometimes i i walk around i meet people that that they're they're like these e believers oh no the sky is gonna fall we're never gonna get back to where we were i don't know about you but but personally i've had some pretty dark days i've had some really tough times But can I tell you something? In the toughest times of my life, in those darkest days when I felt like the bottom had fallen out, God was in charge of it all. God was not somehow sleeping back in the corner. He was not napping. He was not saying, oh, well, Alan can. No, he was in charge of it all. And yet, what a display. If it was true that the crucifixion of the Lord... That he was in charge of that. He who knew no sin became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. If that was true, the crucifixion of our Lord that God knew about it all. How much more with the persecution of his disciples. What a display of his sovereignty. But we must recognize ourselves as his servants. In verse 29, they refer to themselves as servants. Actually, the word there is bond slaves. This was a prayer of submission. We don't like that word anymore. Submission, about the only time we like it is in WWE or WWF when when they say, I submit, I, I give up. No, this a, is a Christian word. This is a biblical word. They didn't complain about the circumstances or they didn't call down fire upon the Sanhedrin. They didn't ask God to move them to a more favorable situation. They simply asked God for more of what got them in trouble in the first place, boldness. Hmm. This is submission to the God-allowed circumstances. And then there was submission to the God-appointed commission. The point of the whole prayer is that they would have the boldness to continue speaking the word and that Jesus would be glorified. I told you I got home late, early Monday morning and, and uh, from Kansas City. It was about 3 o'clock, I think, 3.30 when I finally crawled into bed. While I was gone, my wife began hosting a Cuban pastor, his wife, and their 15-month-old. And, yeah, that's what I said until she started screaming. But, but I, it was wonderful to have them there. Miguel, Miguel has been a personal friend of mine. He's my age. He's 62, and he has a 15-month-old. That's what I said. Art, I said, oh, my word. I said to him, uh, and obviously his wife is a lot younger than he is. Uh, Some of you ladies began to think about that, too. But I said to him on Tuesday, I said, you know what? I'm glad God has given you the energy to father a 15-month-old. I said, but are you going to have any more? And he shook his head no, and his wife shook her head yes. I said, brother, I'm going to pray for you. Those are some challenges and circumstances I want to leave up to a lot younger folks. But the point that I want you to see in this is this. The point of the whole prayer is that God had called them to do something in the very first place. Now let's, let's put this all together and let's wrap this up. In their prayer which, by the way, brought a fresh supply of God's power. And they acknowledged God to be their sovereign Lord, and they submitted to him in his redemptive purpose. And any one of us, any Christian who recognizes and submits to his lordship, now are you ready, will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, wait a minute, Pastor. Some of my friends say you have to speak in tongues. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this, the Bible says that when we submit ourselves, when we allow ourselves to be under his sovereignty, he will fill us and refill us and overfill us and use us and empty us and fill us and fill us and fill us us again. The Bible says that, that's, I mean, when you look at Ephesians, it says be filled. The word actually means be continually filled. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And any Christian, when the Holy Spirit finds a Christian who wants what he wants, they get together. And the Spirit is interested in only one thing, glorifying Jesus as Lord and Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, He is Lord. Amen? Amen. Whether we say it or not, you know what? Whether we recognize it or not, He is Lord. And the Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, and He is ready to empower any of us whose sole desire is to see Jesus glorified in His body. Now, the third thing is this. When the church prays, when we really pray like this, the purpose of God then is achieved. And they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. There was a chain reaction here. When a church is filled with the Spirit, it will inevitably speak the Word of God with boldness. You cannot divorce the fullness of the Spirit and witnessing. It is an impossibility. The power of God is given to accomplish the purpose of God. And unless we're willing to be instruments of his purpose, it is useless to pray for his power. But if we are willing, God will say, okay, there he is. There she is. I'm going to use them for my purpose. Witnesses, by the way, are made not by training, but by praying and saying, here am I. Use me. 20 years ago, there was a fellow by the name of randy johnson living in danville virginia just a common ordinary guy he loved race cars he had a race car he had a pit crew that that god had had, had allowed him to be a part of he loves cars but in a service much like this service 20 years ago in fact God began to shake and rattle on Randy's heart, and he said, I want you to step out in faith and start a ministry called God's Pit Crew. I urge you, when you get home, if you've got a computer, Google God's Pit Crew. It's a true story. I was there Friday night. 20 years later, last year, they were able to give away $15 million worth of resource. They go to all of these sites where there's tornadoes, hurricanes. They have helped us uh, in the hurricane in the Bahamas. They provided us with those big blue buckets called blessing buckets. I spoke at their volunteer banquet on Friday night, over 500 volunteers there. And as I concluded my remarks, Randy said, Alan, I want you to stay up here. We have something we want to give you. Now, listen to me. I go to a lot of places, and I speak in a lot of those places. Many of those are various ministries. I go there to encourage. I, I know that they have to raise funds just like we have to raise funds at Agape Flights to continue to do what God has called us to do. But on Friday night, that man stood there with the vice chairman of his board, and they handed me a check for $10,000. And he said, we want to invest in what God is doing in Agape Flights. I could not get over that. And I, I, I just, tears came to my eyes. And, and as I read and even as I came home and I showed my wife this story, God can do anything he wants to do with a willing vessel. And let me tell you something, folks. As I went through their, I don't know how many thousands of feet of warehouse, they had Gatorade literally stacked as high as the ceiling in one of the parts of their buildings. They had water bottles. They had they had emergency food. They had all kinds of things, and God is using them around the globe for the glory of God. Let me tell you, 20 years ago, there was a man who didn't know what God was going to do with him and didn't even know how he was going to do it, but he said, Lord, here am I. Use me. When God's people say, God, I give up, I give up, then God begins to do what he wants to do. Only the compelling power of the Holy Spirit can do that. Now let me show you three things real quickly. Look at what it says. Verse 33 says they were giving witness. The word translated there giving or gave carries the idea of repaying a debt, fulfilling an obligation. The fullness of the Spirit awakens us to this sense of obligation. It makes an honest man of him and an honest man always pays his debts. Listen, he paid a debt for me I couldn't pay. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. But praise God for the cross of Calvary, for the Christ of that cross, who willingly, voluntarily, he went there and he died for us. We have an obligation. But then there's the operation, boldness. They spoke the word with bold. Boldness is one of those great words. God uses this word to characterize the lives and the ministry. Listen, if anything should be said of First Baptist Church of Bradenton, those people are bold, not arrogant, not conceited. They're bold. What's that mean, Pastor? It means that we don't let people go by us without talking about the most important thing in our lives, and that's our relationship with Jesus. But then look at the witness, the object of the witness, the object that gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's really all we have to talk about, folks. You know, I love to talk about my grandkids. They're all perfect, just like their grandpa Oh, I knew I'd get somebody back there giving me a. You know, though, I, I'm so glad that we have cell phones or or smartphones. They're not cell phones now; they're smartphones. They're a lot smarter than I am. I, I'm so glad that I have a camera on my phone because now I have over a thousand pictures of my grandkids on my phone, and I know that I'm supposed to probably download those somewhere and keep them safe. I'm just not smart enough to do all that, but. It's so cool to be able to p- pull out that phone and begin to tell people about Piper Jane or Judah or Callie or Cooper or Maxine and show them funny little. But, but can I be so bold to tell you something? That's not the greatest thing in my life. That personal relationship with Jesus. When we sang this song a while ago, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. I just had to lift my hands and say, Lord, that's me. That's me. Every hour I need you. Listen, the thing that we should be talking about is Jesus. You remember when the Philippian jailer stood in the rubble of his demolished jail and he heard Paul and Silas praying and praising and saw the prisoners still standing there and he was so convicted and so convinced, and he cried out, what must I do to be saved? Man, he wasn't a prospect for the God is dead movement. He had perceived the presence of God. Church, we must go to our knees. In everything, we are the church. You and I are a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, spiritual revival, national survival demands it. I think we ought to consider what what it was that brought the church to its knees. It was active opposition to the gospel. We have known little of this in the American church. And perhaps in our complacency, we feel no desperate need to pray. Ladies and gentlemen, It may may be that God may allow persecution and opposition in order to get us to our knees and begin to pray, begin to prevail, but whatever it takes, it will be worth it. This morning, I'm going to call our church to prayer. And I realize that, you know, Sunday morning, man, we... We, we get busy. We plan our day. We plan on church being out exactly at this time. Shame on us. What if God showed up and really wanted to do something, and we'd have to say, Lord, you're going to have to come back next week because we've got to go. We, we've got a reservation at the restaurant. God help us. And so I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to ask you, will you get on your knees before the Lord? I'm going to ask in just a moment our staff to come. I'm going to ask if you're a part of the staff of this church, I'm going to ask you to come. In fact, go ahead and make your way. Frank, start making your way. Y'all, uh, Doug, I know you've got responsibilities, but make your way up here. Maybe someone can help you. I'm going to ask the transition team to come this morning and stand right here. I'm going to ask deacons. If your spouse is here with you, deacon, I'm going to ask you to come today. I want, to have, I want to have an altar full of people here right now because we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And church, I'm, I'm expecting you to pray. I don't want you to, to just stand and look at these folks. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. And so in just a moment, these folks are going to stand here and I'm going to ask you to come and pray for them. But then I'm going to ask you to pray with them. I'm going to ask you to pray with them, to pray God's power. I'm going to ask you to come and and just, just begin to pray for John and just ask that the Lord would fill him with his spirit. I'm going to ask you to come and pray for Doug and ask God to fill him with his spirit, to bless his family to do a work, Lord, in their lives. I'm going to ask you to come and pray for Claude. I'm, I'm going to ask you to come and pray for every one of these. Would you stand with me right now? Music is going to begin. And the Bible says this, that when they prayed, the place was shaken. Folks, it's time. It's time that we prayed. And so I'm going to ask you not only to come and pray with them and to join them in prayer, but I'm going to ask you to find us a, a place and just get down. If you can